Welcome to the Vertical Church Podcast. Now, here's Pastor Josh Butcher with today's message. Kicking off a new series this week uh, called Supernatural. Um, and I want to tell you a little bit more about uh, my story. When I was, when I was eight or nine, uh, that's, the, that's when I gave my life to Jesus. That's when I had a come-to-Jesus moment, if you will. Uh, it, was in a, it was in a sweaty revival service in the Appalachian Mountains of West Virginia. If you've never been in a sweaty revival service, then you need to get out more. Uh, and you need to experience uh, life, you know. Uh, I, I've, been, I've been in the sweaty club, and I've been in the sweaty revival, and trust me, it's better in the sweaty revival, okay? It's a lot better. And you don't have regrets the next day, okay? I've just, I've been there, I know what that life is like, and I know what revival's like, and I prefer that. And so, uh, anyway, I was eight or nine years old at the time, and the, the choir was singing, they were doing praise and worship, the evangelist was there. I remember it so clearly, he was sitting up in the front, actually in the in the choir area in a, in a black suit. He had a black suit on, white shirt, and a black tie. And uh, he was a larger guy. I, I just remember it so vividly. But there was a moment in the, in the middle of the singing when I was just overwhelmed by the presence of God. I grew up in church, and uh, I knew all the church lingo. I had seen all the people kind of engaging in church like that. But this was really the first time that something gripped my heart. And so as an eight or nine-year-old kid, I stood up and I lifted my hands and I just started bawling. Like I just started weeping uncontrollably. I could not stop. In fact, the ladies of the church gathered around me and they're praying with me, right? And they're telling me, okay, honey, you can sit down now. We need to move on with the service. And I could not physically sit down, nor could I physically lower my hands. I was just so overwhelmed by the goodness of God that I had to express that physically. Uh, and so I did it with my hands up, and I did it with tears just flowing down my face. And eventually, you know, they didn't have preaching that night, so if you grew up in that kind of church, you know it was a good church service, because we didn't have preaching. Uh, the evangelist, you know, he got a free check that night. It was totally cool for him. Uh, he, didn't have to, he didn't have to preach his message. But uh, church took off from there, and people started, uh, continued worshiping, and, and, and other people came to know Jesus. And it was just an amazing, amazing night. And I've mentioned that because... That, you know, I'm now 36, so that's 20, 28, 27 years ago. And I want you to know something. In the last 27, 28 years, almost 30 years, almost three decades of, of life in, in, in the church and life with Jesus and some, some highs, some lows, uh, sometimes I'm, I feel a lot closer to him than I do at other times, but I want you to know something. In this Supernatural series, we're trying to discover how do we live the life Jesus has for us. How do we live? The tagline of the series is supernatural, empowered to live like Jesus. How do we do that? And I want you to know in 28 years of following Jesus, I still don't have it all figured out. Like, I don't have all the answers, but that's why I think this series is going to be so fun because together I think we're going to, we're not going to come at all the answers. We're not going to discover it all because if we could discover all there was to, to know and to experience in God, then God would be really small. And so in this series, we're not going to cover everything, but I think it's going to be really fun because I think that we're going to discover how we live like Jesus. Like, have you ever wrestled with that question? Those of you who have been in church, or maybe you're, you're returning to church, or maybe this is your first time in church in years, but, but you've wondered, you know, how, how do I do it? Like, how do I know what to do? 
Like I gave, maybe, maybe last week at Easter you gave your life to Jesus. And you surrendered it to him. And you said, you know, here you go, Jesus. If you'll take this, then I'll give, I'll give you everything that I've got. And now you're like, well, how do I, how do I live? Like, how do I go from, from Jesus is, is, is resurrected and now I'm alive. I've, I've put my trust in him. How do I go from there to actually living it out day by day? By day, how do I know what to do? How do I know to right, how to make the right choices? How do I know? How do I know where, how to spend my time? Where do I go? What do I say? What is a church like? Why should I even be part of a church? All of that is what we're going to talk about in supernatural. In fact, in supernatural, we're going to read through the book of Acts together. Uh, the the Bible, the New Testament goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are called the Gospels. Those are the first four writings in the New Testament, and. Uh, those are four different authors, all of whom wrote kind of their perspective of the Jesus story. Here's how he was born, or, or maybe they skipped that part. And here's his ministry on earth. Here's how he healed people. Here's how he, he taught. Here are some things that he taught us. And then he died, and all of them agree he died, but then he came back to life. He was resurrected. And then they end with Jesus, you know, ascending into heaven. And now the disciples are kind of like, well, what's next? Well, what's next is Acts. Acts is the story of what happens next. It's, it's the story of the disciples, you know, trying to, trying to start and continue this thing that Jesus uh, began with them. And so we're going to take the next seven weeks, and we're just going to study that together. We're going to take the next several Sundays, and we're just going to dive into it and look at it and ask questions. Well, how do I live this Jesus life? How, how did they do it? What did they do? What did... What happened in their life? But in addition to talking about it on Sunday, I want to encourage you to do something. How many of you have a, have a smartphone with you this morning? Okay, cool. Take it out. Pull out your smartphone. Open it up. If you have not downloaded the uh, Version Bible app, it's a free download. It's the most downloaded Bible app ever, right, of all time. Download it. Uh, on the back of your program, there are some instructions for how to get to the event section, live, right? And so you do a search for vertical. On our event today, we have posted a 28-day reading plan, okay? Basically, it's, if those of you don't have like a smartphone or don't do that, right, on your, like don't read the Bible on your phone, it's a chapter a day of the book of Acts, okay? It's not very complicated. If you have a smartphone, you can do the plan. It gives you a little devotional, uh, for each day, which is really cool. If you don't do the phone, you don't do the plan, just read a, a chapter of Acts a day. Now, you'll finish before uh, the series is over, so you might want to skip Saturday and Sunday. I tell you what, that makes it even easier, right? Just a chapter a day, Monday through Friday. Skip Saturday and Sunday. Use those days to catch up if you miss a day or you get behind. And then throughout this series, we will end up reading together the entire book of Acts, and seeing how they wrestled with things that we wrestle with. How do we live this life? How do we live with Jesus? How do we do it? How do we make decisions? How do we enter into, uh, enter into the life he has prepared for us? How do we exist as a church together? What does that look like? We discover so much of that in the book of Acts. So I want to start this morning, Acts chapter 1, verse 1. If you have a Bible, that's cool. You can turn there. You can look it up on your phone. Uh, you can use that event, or you can look at the screen behind me. And if none of that works, then just uh, I, don't, I don't know what to do for you. Um, all right, here we go. Verse 1, chapter 1 of the book of Acts. 
Uh, this is a guy named Luke writing. Uh, it's the same Luke who wrote the Gospel of Luke. Uh, it's kind of a one, one story in two parts, if you will. So this is kind of the sequel. Uh, you see it right at the beginning. In my former book. The former book is what he's talking about, the Gospel of Luke. He says, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles, he has chosen. Now, let me give you kind of the big bottom line of the entire book of Acts, okay? This is the bottom line, this is the the main idea, the thesis statement of the entire book of Acts. It's all about Jesus. Seriously, the entire book of Acts is all about Jesus. Well, I thought it was about the Holy Spirit. That's what it was in the church I grew up in. They were wrong. Because here's why they're wrong, okay? It's not about the Holy Spirit. It's about Jesus, because the Holy Spirit's about Jesus. All right? That's what Jesus teaches us in the gospel, that the Holy Spirit will come and he'll remind us of what? The words Jesus taught us. He'll empower us to do the things Jesus did. So the Holy Spirit's role in our lives is still all about Jesus. Acts is all about Jesus. Uh, Luke says, in my former book, I wrote about what Jesus began to do and to teach. In other words, that was the former book. In the current one, I want to tell you what Jesus continues to do. What Jesus is doing today. What Jesus is going to do tomorrow. What Jesus is teaching us now. In other words, we could retitle the book. Instead of Acts of the Apostles, it's really more like Acts of Jesus. Or the life of Jesus part two. You know, Whereas in Luke, we, know, we, we, we find out in Luke that Jesus gave us his life. And in Acts, we find out that Jesus gave us his power through the Holy Spirit. In in Luke, we discover the life of Jesus, and we read about the life of Jesus. And then when we turn into Acts, we see the implications of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and what the living Jesus, not the dead Jesus, I'm not writing a book about a dead guy, Luke says, the living Jesus, what he is doing in and through his so in so many ways, this could, be, this could be the life of Jesus part two. So again, the big idea of the whole book, it's all set up around Jesus Christ. It's all about Jesus. Verse three, after his suffering, whose suffering? Jesus' suffering. He presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. In other words, again, Luke is saying, Theophilus, I want to remind you, the, the guy I'm writing this book about is not dead. This is not a book about a dead guy. There's all kinds of books about dead guys. This is a book about a guy who is alive. He is living. He's not dead. In fact, he's so alive, there have been many convincing proofs, proofs, Luke says. Well, what kind of proofs? Like, what were those convincing proofs? Well, one of them was that Jesus went and had breakfast with people. <laughs> pretty convincing proof, right? Like you, you go, you know, you have a friend who dies, you go to the graveyard, and you're like, well, he, he's not here. Where is he? And you start asking around, and it was like, well, he's downtown having breakfast with some friends. <laughs> so you drive downtown, go to the cafe, look in, and there's your friend eating breakfast. Let me ask you a question. Is that a convincing proof? Yeah. Yes. That's a con- you don't even have to go to A school to know that that's a convincing proof, right? <laughs> like that's a convincing proof. There's a guy named Thomas. We know him as Doubting Thomas. Thomas said, I won't believe unless I can see the scars and touch his side. Well, sure enough, Jesus like, 
appears right in front of him and says, Thomas, come here. See the scars. Here, put your hand on my side. Touch me right here. And Thomas does it. And then Thomas falls to his knees and he says, my Lord, my God. Convincing proof, right? Like that's, that's convincing proof. And for 40 days, Jesus did this. Just, a, just, just showing up and appearing. And, and, and he's, he's, he's fully like, we can touch him. We can see him. We're talking with him. He's eating breakfast. But he's also like just disappearing sometimes. And like walking through walls. And it's really weird. And we don't understand it all. But we can't deny the proof. That's what Luke's saying. So he starts out talking about Jesus' life. And then he transitions to this one particular story that I'm going to look at this morning. Verse 4. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. He said, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. If, you, if you're a highlighter or an underliner in your Bible or on your phone, you might want to like highlight, circle, star, and draw arrows to this word. Because this is where we're going to end today. But wait for the gift my father promised. But you have heard me speak about. This is not something that you weren't aware of. You heard me talk about this gift. Verse 5, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then jump down with me to verse 8, the first part of verse 8. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So here's the big idea of the whole book of Acts is that it's all about Jesus. Here's the big idea for today. Here's kind of the main thing. Like, if you don't get anything else, this is what I think Luke is writing to tell us, and Jesus wants us to know. Jesus' life and power are not just to be admired. They're also to be experienced. It's so important to understand that. As a, as, a, as a Christian, a new Christian, somebody that's interested in Christianity, interested in Jesus, it's so key to understand that anybody can admire Jesus' life, right? He was an admirable guy. He did some amazing things. Even if you are a non-believer, even if you think the whole Bible is made up, we know that there was a guy named Jesus alive who did some incredibly amazing things. And so it's easy to admire the life of Jesus, but the claim of Christianity is that we as Christians don't just admire his life, we get to experience his life. How many of you would say, you know, uh, I, I, I have, I've had the thought before that Jesus lived an amazing life, right? Like, raise your hand. You think Jesus lived an amazing life, okay? This is not, I'm not trying to trick you or anything. Yeah. He said yes to God. Like, he always said yes to God. He never struggled with, like, disobedience to God. He never sinned. He lived a perfect sinless life. He never stole from anybody. He was never inappropriate with any girl. You know, he was always generous. He was always truthful. He was always loving. And Jesus wants us to know that we don't just have to admire his life. We can actually experience his life through the person of the Holy Spirit. You see, the Christian life is not a life about learning facts and principles about Jesus. Christian life is having an experience with Jesus. It's not so much learning about, well, you know, he did this and he did that, and, and, and here's a fact and a figure and a principle that we could take from, and it's not so much about that. It's about entering into the story and having an experience with him. You see, after the resurrection, all the disciples were excited. 
all the, they, were, they were like losing their mind. Like, what are we going to do, Jesus? Like, is it time? Are you going to like get on a throne and start reigning and ruling? Are you finally going to set up the kingdom of God, Jesus? Is it time? Are we going to, I want to sit by your right hand and your left hand, and I want to reign and rule. And Jesus says, listen, before you think about all that, wait. You need to wait. Because the life I have for you cannot be experienced outside of the power waiting for you. So you need to wait. You see, Jesus does not just give us an example to follow. He empowers us to follow in his example. If you're taking notes, like I would write that down. Like he, Jesus does not just give us an example to follow. Hey, here's my life. Live your life like that. And then he steps away and steps out of the picture. No, no, no. Jesus empowers us to live and to follow in his example. Let me explain that to you. Luke says, Luke says, in my former book, meaning the Gospel of Luke, right? In my former book, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. So what do we know about Jesus in the former book? Like, what do we learn about Jesus in the Gospel of Luke? Well, the cool thing about the Gospel of Luke is we get in such rich detail, such rich imagery, what the relationship was between Jesus and the Holy Spirit. If you're new, if you're like, like I said, if you don't know much about Christianity, we believe in, in, in one God who exists as three persons. We can't really explain it beyond that, but we understand that it's not three people. We don't worship three gods. It's, it's one God. Like we have one God, but we know him as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And, and they each have their own personality and uniqueness and purpose, but they are one. And, and it's a mystery, to be honest with you, even those of us who went to school and could really, you know, talk in really huge words, it's still a mystery. I, don't, I can't explain it all, but that's what we believe. We believe God exists in three persons. And so in Luke, we see the relationship between Jesus, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it's beautiful. It's awesome. You see... When Jesus lived his life, he did all these miracles, right? Like he, he, he did miracles and he would heal these people. Oh, you're blind, you know, be, see, you know, that's cool. Oh, you're dead, well, let's get up and, and, you know, be alive. And you can't walk, well, let me help you walk. And then he would do all these teachings and people were just amazed. And, then, and then they're like, he, he teaches with such authority. And the question that we'd have to ask if we really dive, you know, kind of dive into it, how did he do that? How did Jesus do what Jesus did? And the easy answer, and the answer many of us have, is, well, he's God. (laughs) Of course he can heal people because he's God. Like, God can heal people. That's right. I mean, Jesus is God. God can heal people. How did did Jesus multiply, you know, a little kid's lunchable to feed a stadium full of people? (laughs) Well, he's God. That's something God can do. Right? Oh, well, look, there goes God, you know, water skiing with no boat and no skis. Well, he's God. He can do that, right? But see, here's, 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 here's what we're really saying, okay? You may not have ever thought this, but I promise you, when we have the mentality that Jesus could do all that Jesus did because he was God, what we're really telling ourselves is I'm not God, so I can't live like that. Jesus could because he's God. How did Jesus live a sinless life? Because he's God. I'm not God, so I have no hope of living sinless. 
Well, how did Jesus pray for people and they were healed? Well, he was God. So I have no expectation that if I pray for somebody, they can be miraculously healed because I'm not God. I don't expect to see change in my life. I don't expect to see miraculous in my life. I don't expect to step into the supernatural uh, life that Jesus has for me because I'm not God. Jesus could do it because he was God. I'm not God. So in other words, what we really think, if we strip all the layers of the onion off, right, we think Jesus cheated. That's what we think. He cheated. He cheated because he's kind of like, if you think about think about Clark Kent and Superman, that's kind of how we picture Jesus, right? Like you see Clark Kent, right? Mild-mannered reporter for the Daily Planet with the glasses and the regular clothes on. But we know that really under the regular clothes, he's got the blue and red unitard with the big S on his chest, right? <laughs> like, I might pick a fight with Clark Kent, but really I'm picking a fight with Superman, this godlike being who could crush me with his superpowers. And that's how we think about Jesus. Like, like we picture that Jesus, his humanity, is just the Clark Kent glasses on. And that really, underneath that, underneath the humanity, there's God, right? Like, there's this God with superpowers on. So when he's tempted, he's not really tempted because God can't be tempted. And when he's hurting, he's not really hurting. That's just the Clark Kent glasses on. He's God, so God can't hurt. When, he's, when, when, when he comes into a situation where somebody needs a miracle or a healing, of course he can, because he's just got to take the glasses off and lean into the God thing and do the God thing. And then put the glasses back on. We, he's not really a humble peasant from Galilee who works a, 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 a low-wage job in a small town with a poor family. He's God. And so the things that he did, that's what God can do. So Jesus was, Jesus, yeah, Jesus was fully human. We get that. He died for us and all that. But, but even that, man, he raised from the dead because he was God. And you know what? That's not what the story of Scripture is. Scripture doesn't say that Jesus cheated. Luke does not say that Jesus cheated. In fact, Luke shows us not, not that Jesus cheated. How did Jesus do what Jesus did? Luke tells us he did it by the power of of the Holy Spirit in his life. So Jesus, check this out. Those of you, especially those of you who grew up in a charismatic Pentecostal background, you need to listen to me. Jesus is the picture of what it means to be spirit-filled. Not your grandma, not your grandpa, not your pastor, not some lady with a big hairdo. Jesus. (laughs) What does it mean to be spirit-filled? Jesus. It means to look like Jesus. Look, look, Luke, Luke has all this beautiful stuff to say, right? Um, he, he shows us the relationship between Jesus and the Holy Spirit, and it just blows our mind. Uh, when Jesus is conceived, Luke says he was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's how Jesus was, 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 was uh, you know, birthed in his, in, in his mama's womb, by the power of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus is baptized, those of you who know the story, what descends upon Jesus? A dove. Which is the symbol, this this emblem, this symbol of the Holy Spirit descending upon Jesus so so that the people around Jesus would know that he was anointed by God, by the Holy Spirit. It says Jesus, at that point it says Jesus was full 
of the Holy Spirit. It says Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit. So whenever Jesus would go somewhere, whenever Jesus would go to a town, it wasn't Jesus was following the leadership of the Holy Spirit. He didn't go to a town because he's God. I know I'm God, so I'm going to go to this town. No, no, he went because the Holy Spirit said go. And he's being led by the Holy Spirit. Luke says that he shows up in a town in the power of the Holy Spirit. How did he heal people? The power of the Holy Spirit. How did he teach those amazing sermons? Power of the Holy Spirit. Not because he's God. It's because he is the he is the image of what it looks like for a human being to be fully, completely surrendered to the Holy Spirit. What, is it, what does it mean to be spirit filled? It means to look like Jesus, right? Now, now, let me, let me just kind of pause and step back here. How, how many of you actually in the room, you grew up in like a, a Pentecostal charismatic background? Like, raise your hand. It's cool. Like, you want to raise your hand. You've been dying to raise your hand all morning. Like, do you do that here? Yes. Like, please, raise them both. <laughs> For those of you who didn't grow up in that kind of tradition, when you hear about the Holy Spirit, sometimes it freaks you out. Because, because what you're thinking is like, whoa, I know those kinds of churches, right? Like those churches take up seven offerings, and the pastor wears a white suit, and his wife looks like she lost a paintball fight. It's <laughs> not entirely true. Okay? There's some parts of that that's not exactly true. The key is, the, the, key, the, the, the thing is, is that you cannot understand the power of the Holy Spirit apart from the life of Jesus. That's what I want you to understand this morning cannot understand, you cannot experience the power of the Holy Spirit outside, separate from, apart from the life of Jesus Christ. He is what it means to be Spirit-filled. He is what it means to be Spirit-led. He is what it means to be Spirit-empowered, to be Spirit-surrendered, to be Spirit-yielded. Everything that He did, Luke says, everything that Jesus did was through the power of the Holy Spirit. In fact, early in Jesus' ministry, he walks into the synagogue. He grabs the Isaiah scroll. He sits it down and he unrolls it. And he gets to the end of the scroll, what we would call right around chapter 61. And he stops and he says, let me read this scripture to you. He says, he says the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. And he continued reading the passage. And then he does this, right? He, he rolls it back up, he closes it back up, and he says, today, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And friends, let me tell you something. Basically, he says, y'all, what Isaiah wrote 700 years ago is about me. I'm the one that the Spirit of the Lord is upon to do these things. That's me. Now, now, y'all, that is either true or the most arrogant thing a human being has ever said. It's either true. Jesus is the one whom the Spirit of the Lord is upon, or he's just an arrogant, you know, psychopath almost, who thinks his ego is bigger than, than the world. Luke says, Luke shows us that he's not, he's not arrogant. He is, in fact, exactly who he claims to be. Everything that Jesus did, he did through the Holy Spirit's power. So when he loved people, he loved them in the power of the Holy Spirit. When he suffered, he suffered in the power of the Holy Spirit. 
When he healed people, he healed people in the power of the Holy Spirit. When he prayed, when he trained leaders, when he, when he humbly worked as a carpenter, he, he did it all in, in surrender to and in yielding to the Holy Spirit. And now we get to this moment where he tells his followers, I want you to experience the same relationship I have with the Holy Spirit. In fact, fellas, that's the whole reason I came was to open up this door that you could enter into this relationship with the Holy Spirit. And he takes them all the way back to the beginning of the story, back when John was baptizing people in the river, right? John is baptizing people, and Jesus says, it's going to kind of be like that. It's, it, instead of being dunked in water, you're going to be dunked in the Holy Spirit. Instead of being plunged into a river, you're going to be plunged into the river of God. You're going to be immersed in God himself. That's what I want to do in you. You'll be, you'll be filled with the, the, the very presence of God. Listen, guys, he, he says, just, just like God is doing something in the world. I, my resurrection was like the first sign of what God is doing in the, as he's recreating all of this in, in resurrection power. And you want to get in on it, but before you can get in on it, you need to wait. You've got to wait. You can't go, you can't go you know, jumping around the world and you can't go off at all these far reaches of the world until you wait for the gift my father promised. Why do we have to wait? Like, you, Jesus, you raised from you. Like, you did the work. Isn't it done? Jesus says, no, 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 you got to wait. Look at, look at verse 8 with me again. In fact, matter of fact, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to invite the band to come up because, because we, don't have, we don't have a lot of opportunity here because of the way we meet and the structure and the theater and stuff to do what Jesus said to do. We don't get that opportunity much to just wait on the Lord. And so that's what I want to do this morning. I want, to, I want to wait. And so let's look at this scripture again. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. In other words, Jesus says, listen, fellas, I want to make you witnesses. I want to take you to the far reaches of the world telling people about what I've done and what I'm doing in you and what I want to do with them, but I can't right now, because right now, you're fishermen. Right now, you're tax collector. Right now, you're a zealot. I want to make you a witness. Right now, you're cowards. Right now, you're betrayers. Right now, you're turncoats. Right now, you're full of fear. Right now, you're full of worry. Right now, you're full of anxiety. So I've got to do something in you to change you into being a witness for me. So you've got to wait. Waiting reminds us that the, thing, the things that we need to do in the world are not possible outside of the power and presence of God himself. So we've got to wait. us 
that the church should never assume the presence of the Holy Spirit. We must always seek Him. Waiting reminds us that we can't take for granted God's presence with us. Waiting reminds us that whatever He wants us to do, we can't do outside of Him. Waiting reminds us that it started out all about Jesus and it'll end all about Jesus. So I want to wait this morning. I want to wait with you. I want to wait and, and, and ask God to do in us what he did in them. You see, the challenge of, of, of following Jesus, the challenge of living like Jesus is not an intellectual challenge. not about knowing facts but experiencing power so the only way to do that is until we've experienced his power the best thing we can do last time God broke in on us. 
You're not waiting right now. You're waiting on me to be done. You're waiting on church to be over. You need to wait on the gift the Lord promised. And actively seek Him. Lord, set us on fire. Set us ablaze. Set us ablaze. Set us ablaze. Send your, send your spirit, God. Send your, send your gift. Send your gift. Send your gift, God. Fill our lives. Fill our lives, God. We have no preconditions. We have no qualifications for what this has to look like. We may, we may be filled with the Spirit in tears. We may be filled with the Spirit in rejoicing. We may be filled with the Spirit in lavish. We don't care what it looks like, God. We just need you. So we will wait. We will wait. We will wait. We will wait. Set us a place. Set us a place. Set us a place, God. Set us on fire for you, Jesus. for joining us today. We always appreciate hearing how God is moving in your life. We all have a story to tell and we'd love to hear yours. Please visit verticalchurch.tv and click on the little pencil icon called Amen Corner to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to support the ministry of Vertical Church financially, you can do so by clicking the giving link at verticalchurch.tv. Thank you again for taking the time to join us as we point those far from God to life in Jesus.